Blog Talk Radio. Guys, if you're old as dirt as I am from Family Affair, 
Um, she played Sissy, the daughter in Family Affair. She is now at Sissy and has her own uh, spinoff coming here on a web series. And Boys Town, the series, if you haven't followed the Boys Town books out of Chicago, we are turning that into a television series. So thanks to Travis Hunt Productions for that. Patches O'Hool out of Columbus. If you want any kind of an LGBT patch of any kind for any persuasion for all of our communities, be it trans, bi, gay, lesbian, anything, go to Patches O'Hool on Facebook and Instagram for links to their website, all sorts of uh, information there. And Kathy's Confections right here in beautiful Southern California created these amazing pride cookies. They sh- she ships the cookies all over the country. And she has some great pride cookies. Thanks so much for those. So that's it. We are done. Let's get into it, boys and girls. Thanks Ooh. for uh, the, the commercial. Oh, I know. Oh, like, oh, 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 let me breathe. Let me yeah. breathe. Let me drink the iced tea. Guys, great group of guests here today. I'm so excited. They've all been on the show at least once, except for Tim. We're going to introduce in just a second. Uh, we actually dragged him from the pool to be on the show today. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, Fernando Rivera, great friend of the show, but on a couple of times, actor, writer, producer, been in all over television, commercials, you have seen his face everywhere, amazing author of The After Living. We're going to talk all about that in a little bit. Um, some great projects coming up, man. We have a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks for coming down again to Palm Springs. Well, thanks for having me. It's a fun place to come and just relax and get that work done at the same time. I love it. Fantastic. Matt Hayes has been an amazing show, uh, friend of the show, actor, writer, producer himself. His new film, Cognitive, is hitting the uh, festival circuit now, so that's exciting to talk about that. He also works closely with Dell Shores and his production company, so we have lots to talk about there. Matt, thanks for coming down to Palm Springs, buddy. Thank you for having me. All I have to do is offer a hotel in Tequila. And I'm there you go. <laughs> I'm loving life. Matt, very fantastic. Uh, coming up next, Matt Stearns came across last year on the show. This is his second time on the show. Amazing singer and songwriter out of Canada. Gets the award for the farthest traveled for the trip today. Uh, farther than me, I think. I don't know. I don't know. As the crow flies, we're kind of close. From, from Ohio. Yeah, from, from Count Montreal, definitely. Um, Ohio, Ohio for sure. But welcome to the show, buddy. We're going to talk all about your music. You have a new album coming out very soon. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to record it as soon as I get back, pretty much. Fantastic. We'll talk about Amazing. And then Tim Woolley, guys, like I said, we had, we made friends at the pool because everyone makes friends here at Indulge Palm Springs, so come on down. But uh, we were talking in the pool, and uh, you have some interesting life, my friend. You are an entrepreneur. You do about 8,000 things. Uh, you have your own hair business. You create wigs, and your wigs have been featured all over RuPaul's Drag Race and all sorts of other queens. Very good friends with Mila Zahn, and you have a couple projects coming up with her. Very interesting life, my friend. Thanks for coming on the Left of Straight Show. Happy to be here. Great. I appreciate it. Well, guys, let's start out with a couple of um, group questions uh, here. I want to start out, we are in Pride season, um, so I want to ask a little bit, and we might have talked about it in your previous interviews, but uh, tell the listeners when you actually came out to yourself, and what does pride mean to you now, no matter how long you've been here? Um, we will start with him because oh uh, Fernando is being a little bitch over here. So we are going to start and put Tim on the spot, our person that has never been on the show before. We're going to start off strong. Um, my coming out, 
When did you come after yourself first? When did you come after yourself? Admittedly to the world or when I thought I was gay? Both. I, since birth, I knew I was gay, but I <laughs> was with a woman for eight years and bought a house together and then realized, oh, this is a bad idea. <laughs> and met a boy named Kyle, and that, that ruined that. It was bad news. Yeah. But I'm gay. <laughs> very short version. And what does pride mean to you now? I mean, have you been out for a long time? What does pride mean for you? Ultimately, one word, acceptance. I think um, it's the most important thing of our community. Just people need to feel accepted. And I think that's the hardest part of coming out. Um, yeah. Very cool. Matt, same question to you. Um, when did you come out to yourself? And, and I remember you were talking, you were just kind of bisexual, maybe still bisexual, kind of exploring. Or talk about that journey and what does pride mean to you? Yeah, well, I've resisted any kind of box in all shapes and form since as far back as I can remember. So, and I fell in love with anybody of any gender. So coming out is like a, it happens in every new context in a different way. Like, my first time in Palm Springs, which was like the gayest place I've ever been. <laughs> and I think a friend that I spent there, you know, with my partner, that I often feel like an, an observer looking in because when whatever context you're in has sort of some kind of identity label associated with it. And I, I never quite feel, I feel pretty foolish, I guess. Gotcha, very cool. And so what does pride mean to you then? I totally agree with Tim about acceptance, like acceptance of all diversity, all varieties of expression and love. Um, and yeah, for me, it's about learning to, to really own whoever you are. Very cool. I love that. Matt? Uh, I, my earliest gay thoughts, I can remember in kindergarten, um, there was a boy in my class that I just always wanted to play house with. Um, <laughs> uh, his name is Webb. I sometimes talk on social media still. He looks happy. Uh, <laughs> uh and what else is um, he's still very handsome too. Um, and what does pride mean to me? Uh, you know, it used it's kind of changed as of late because it used to be like a celebration of progress, um, and now I feel like it's shifted into more of a challenge to progress because um, you know we got really spoiled for a while. Um, you know, not you know, political. Uh, but, you know, we, we were in a place where things seemed to be moving uh, favorably in a direction of equality and inclusion, and then. Right. It's kind of uh, backfired a little bit, uh, and so I think it's just reminded we always have to stay on our toes, and we can't ever quit fighting. Exactly. Very well said. Fernando? Uh, yeah, honestly, you kind of always grow up knowing something is weird or different about you that right. you can't really quite relate to any of the other kids about, but honestly, I didn't I didn't have the comfort to come out to myself until I went on my first date with a guy, which was totally by accident. Wow. I was... I was you know, I was taken out to West Hollywood. I was interning in Los Angeles, taken out to West Hollywood by a friend, and then I ran into this guy. And he was, um, you know, he was reading Harry Potter behind the the counter, and I was like, "Well, I can talk about Harry Potter." So we were like totally bonded on a nerd level. And then he gave me his number and he asked me out, and I was like, "Whoa, like what just happened here?" And then we went on our first date, and I was like, "Oh, this is what dating should feel like." Oh. Okay, like I'm game, and that's when I had the comfort to come out to myself because it was just like he just kind of. That a good example of what it should feel like to be comfortable in your own skin. Right. Um, and as far as pride goes, like going off what Matt said about, you know, politics, I think, you know, right now it, it, it makes me realize that there's something like we have to realize that we're special and that there is something to fight for. 
right, you know, right. and so like, yeah, pride is like it's very positive at the same time. It's also like very, you know, like you have to realize like you know you are here for a reason and you can't be overshadowed by politics or by uh, you know things that that are trying to stifle your own progression. So, exactly. um, but yeah, I think it's just like a, a reason to celebrate. Like you are the fact that you exist is very special, and you have to keep acknowledging that going forward. I love that. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I um I knew early, obviously. Uh, but I, I didn't know anyone in my high school that was gay. I mean, everyone assumed the theater kids were gay, but no one knew for sure. Um, so I didn't know anybody, and I'm a little older than you guys, so I came out, uh, I was I graduated high school in the late 80s, and that's where AIDS was still happening. So it's like, I think that I'm gay, but I think I'm scared to death to go be with another guy. How is this going to work out? Um I want, and I don't know anyone in my community, and I'm 25 minutes from West Hollywood, and I'm here. That's the gay capital of the world. Should I go there? But what precautions do I take? So it was a really weird thing for me. Um, so it's, and it's kind of the same thing. And my first date, it's like that's when the little light bulb goes, okay, this makes sense now. It kind of makes sense to what it is. And I think pride, I agree with what all you say. I think pride started out as a protest. I mean, we're talking Stonewall. Um, it started out as a protest, and it's turned into a celebration, but now we have this administration where all of a sudden trans rights are going really backwards. Our rights are going pretty backwards. Um, it's just we see we saw gay marriage happen. We saw all these things happen. We thought, oh, things are starting to go good. We stopped going back, don't tell, and now they're slowly being brought back in. So what is pride right now? I think pride is accepting yourself, but there's got to be a little activism to it, I think, too, to kind of – what the what? I mean, I, I just don't understand. So I'm excited we can do it. I like, as Matt says, there's so many different communities and, and really fluid communities um, in general. We have now, I get lost in the ABCD, Elemental G, LGBTQIA things. There's so many alphabets now that I can't keep track of. Them. I love that we've taken the word queer back to kind of create an umbrella. You know, right. Um, it used to be such a derogatory term, and now it's like I used to have a huge problem with that because yeah. in school you play near the queer, and it's like you right. know, like you you know you polarize the the weak dude with the ball. So whatever right. I hear queer, I think of near the queer, and I don't like that word. Now so like the queer sounds like a very interesting. <laughs> 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 a whole new kind of all of a sudden. Looks like web series logo. Very cool. Uh, and same thing. Talk about what what is fag maybe then. That still scares the hell out of me. I don't like that at all. That's a loving word with my friends. Like, that's what because it is, and a lot of yeah. people and that's very loving to me. It's like I still. But have it's like when one of your friends calls you that. It's like oh yeah. great, but it's like an outsider calls you that. You're like mm, that's just yeah. that's just being such an in group thing. So yeah, you have to think about who who gets it. And, yeah. and, but every culture has that because I mean, gay is a culture. So it's like right. every culture has that word that okay. is like a no no for outsiders to use. Okay. Sure.
Uh, let's go to the lighter thing. We're all from different areas. I drove out here from Ohio. You guys have all been born in different states and everything. Talk about LGBT around the country and LGBT travel. Is it something that you generate to? Is it something that you in, in, do you kind of now actively seek out LGBT places? Or with the acceptance kind of go with, with the flow? Or what do you feel as far as traveling? Or when you come to some place like Palm Springs, like Matt said, it's obviously pretty gay. Matt with two T's. I'll have to say Matt with two T's. Matt with one T's. Um, but it, it's so it, it is what it is. Talk about do you have a favorite place you like to go, and what do you think about gay travel in general? Uh, I'll have to say you, you realize how spoiled you are when you're living in Los Angeles, when you go out, outside of it. Because even when you're not in West Hollywood, which – you know, nine out of ten people that you meet or men who meet will be gay. Um, they're still very gay-friendly, gay vibes in all of the surrounding communities. But then you go, like, to your like, my hometown is in South Texas. And it's like, I can tell right away, like, oh, I'm not. Like, <laughs> my lingo and my, I guess, my, my sense of humor is not the same over here. Um, but the fun thing about it, though, is that when you live in a gay community and you're so comfortable with it, you start to notice when you see other gay people and maybe people that might be closeted or might be fall into the Q category, right? And you're just like, oh, I see you now, because you're able <laughs> to like relax and take a breath and like kind of notice that you know that you're not that different from other people, but you know, they're not in the place that kind of fosters having a, an open, you know, sexuality policy kind of kind of thing. But um, I mean, I don't, I don't really try to gravitate or travel to gay places, but when I get there, I definitely look like, oh, where's the gay bar? Where's like the gay part of town? Like, let's go have lunch there. Like. I breathe easier knowing that, you know, my mannerisms or my, like, my vocabulary is understood or, like, well accepted. Because right. you get to, to talk in a certain way and joking a certain way. I'm sure. Have you guys ever had to make the destination to mean that it was safe? My hometown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I agree. I don't make gay part of my travels. I just happen to. Stumble upon it. Yeah, I, I'm so gay that I can't not stumble upon it. <laughs> yeah, so inevitably, like I said, Alaska, Cordova, fishing community, um, you'd be surprised who is accepting in non-gay areas, too. Yeah, surprisingly so. Right. Um, Very cool. Matt, what about you? Well, yeah, that's why I was curious to ask you guys, because I think since, because when I was not out or when I was in relationships with women, it wasn't a criteria at all to think about is it safe to go here. And so I've just noticed sometimes that that part comes up a lot more when you're in the community, right? So, but, but I don't think it's really hindered me either. Right. I think like, like you, I feel safe. I came a general perception of mm-hmm. myself. I don't go in flailing full boat, you know. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> think of my actions before I do if I'm in an unsafe area. But right. I right. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I went to Walmart earlier today, and I don't feel safe at, at any Walmart, but especially the one here. Um, so I, I, if I were to mix out places that are not gay safe or gay friendly, I couldn't go to Walmart. That's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Wow. My Walmart had Golden Girl socks in the men's department. <laughs> <laughs> in the men's department. I got it for Nice. I like it. Very, very cool. But I think also, like, I'm from Alabama. I, if I had my choice, I would not go to Alabama because of what they they do to take away rights for me and my sisters who, you know, maybe are, you know, carrying a baby they didn't, they didn't know they were going to have. Um, and I feel like I have to go to Alabama because it's, it's my job to go and educate and it's my job to go and hopefully, you know, expand 
people's mentalities about things. I don't know. I mean, we're all, you're from Texas. I'm from Alabama. You're in Ohio. Like, we're all from places that, you know, we probably are needed. Um, right. So, I, you know, I, of course, we have to be discerning and not go to a place where we're going to be killed. But, you know, I feel like we do. It's kind of our job as, as artists and people with voices that we have to go into these places and, and speak truth so that there's, you know, the young kid growing up there, say, like, oh, gosh, you've got a chance. I think, that's about, I think the unknown is what scares people. Mm-hmm. Like, right. When I came out, my dad had never met a gay person. Yeah. So he had no, he only had preconceived notions of what he thought it was. And I think going into those areas and showing, like, no, we're a great group of people. Oh, we're fun as hell. Yeah. <laughs> we like, are fun. A lot of my mom's friends, like, you know, or even, even, like, you know, my aunts, we go back and it's like my, my brother's gay also. And so when we, like, we're in the family dynamic, like, we can be witty and, like, back and forth. And they're not used to men talking to them or relating to them on that level. Right. So it's, like, it's fun. It's entertaining yeah. because it's, it's kind of like getting a different side of, you know, the coin when you're dealing with a gay person versus dealing with somebody who's used to, I guess, living um, around a lot of straight people and not exposed to such different colors of, of the culture. There's that aspect that it's being expressive is contagious, right? Mm-hmm. You have to give people permission by being contagious. Yeah. yeah. We also increase property value. So if capital in your home, all you have to do is, you know, provide with a good free bedroom situation <laughs> and we'll help you. Um, yeah. There's that Will and Grace episode. I there know. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 Seriously, in Northeast Ohio, there is a really bad section of town. Not really bad, but it's a bad section of town. And these two gay guys went and bought six houses. They're all apartments right next to each other and started renting them out. Most beautiful part of this ugly. Now the whole neighborhood is caught up. And it's just amazing to see. This was in 17 years that I've been there, and it happened probably the first eight of them I was there. It only took about eight years to change it. But it's just these, this couple said, you know what? To hell with it. Um, I can buy houses for nothing here. Uh, they bought the houses for like an apartment, like twenty-four to forty-five thousand dollars each. Oh, what? Okay, you guys I tell you, this is. I, I told the story to other people. I think I might have told to some of you, but I'll say it again. Huh? Like sixty year of rent, a year and a half. You need to understand Ohio. Why I can't come back here? This is why I visit for a month and can't come back here. I have a. I own a. Three bedroom, one bath, nice brick house with uh, about 1,150 square feet, with a fully finished basement with another bathroom downstairs, another sink. So I have basically 2,200 square feet. I'm on one third of an acre where I use my little riding mower because I'm fat and chubby and I want to. <laughs> and I have three trees. I have the best school district. The house is sold next to me. The most I can get for my house is $170,000. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's such a difference in different areas. And, like, my old apartment, my one-bedroom apartment with a nice kitchen, nice dining room, nice living room, nice bathroom, nice full yard, I was paying five twenty-five a month rent for. It's just uh, it's crazy. But there's not much entertainment opportunities in Northeast Ohio. But you um, don't have the game. Right. So. Yeah, that's true. What surprise, that was a surprise, too, though, we had. Five gay bars when I moved there. Oh, yeah, three. Five, yeah, we had five gays. Stanley left. Now we're four. But uh, yeah, really <laughs> too funny. All right, we have Chris helping us out in the control room today. Chris, we're going to get ready and take our first break. We are so lucky today, guys, to have Matt Stern, like I said, all the way down from Canada. We're going to feature his music 
All show, all show long, and he is going to do a special live performance for us in a bit. So, Chris, if you'll cue up your magic, we're going to take our first break. You're listening to the Left of Straight Show live from Palm Springs right here on Blog Talk Radio. You are the best thing. You hold my heart inside your hands. you magic. You make me crazy. Your touch, it makes me lose my head. It's tragic. Your career here. Yeah. 
Um, welcome back to the show, buddy. I appreciate Thanks. it. We've gone over so many great things we've talked about. We talked about uh, the afterlife, which we'll do a little bit more because um, you're asked to follow up to that. But I want to talk about first because last time we talked about your McDonald's commercial because that was just blowing up in Ohio. It was playing every five seconds in Ohio, and that got like a lot of play, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was an initial two-year run for the contract, and then it got extended for an extra year, which is great for, you know, a, a McDonald's commercial. Um, and, yeah, I was getting notifications left and right about people who were seeing it all over uh, the country, which was really awesome. And then I got sad when it was finally over. Right. But um, it got great exposure. And I, it's odd that one of the jobs that I would get the most recognition for was, you know, a McDonald's commercial, which, of course, they have commercials coming out. Not looking anything like you normally look, too, which was really funny. Yeah, I had so buzz, like, buzz hair.
when you know they had it down there for a couple of years. Usually, I don't remember what season, probably fourth or fifth season. Or they, yeah, they, they ran four seasons. Okay, yeah. yeah, very cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I didn't get to see all the episodes, but I, I got this when I saw you were on, and I went and looked at a couple of them. Yeah, um, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I watched the first season just because West Covina had a lot of references to it, and they had some <laughs> exterior shots, not yeah. many, but uh, it, it was kind of fun. Uh, and we talked before about your book, um, The Afterliving. This has been going gangbusters here for a while. Uh, taking your time to write the, the next in the series. Talk about how that's been going, and uh, you got the audiobook out by now and everything. Talk about how that process is. I did. Uh, so I recorded the audiobook myself. Uh, the book, The Afterliving, it takes place uh, south of London in Brighton. So, you know, all the characters are very colorful. There are a lot of accents involved. And I kind of wanted to do some justice to it, not just like a total novel. So I did some dialect coaching, try to get some of the accents from the main characters. Um, and I hired, you know, a studio uh, and was able to, um, you know, record it in several sessions, about five to seven hours per session. And it was a lot of work and a lot of, you know, losing my breath because you don't realize when you're in the room that every little noise you make comes out on a microphone. And so even if you're breathing like erratically or you have like a very weird breathing pattern, like you can hear it. So half the time I'm just like, and then he went, like, slowly breathing. words and I get too exasperated. Right. But it was really cool. It's, it's you know, it's, the audiobook is available on um, on Audible and iTunes and uh, Amazon, and as well as the you know, the copy of the Living. I don't think I've asked you um, what your travel schedule because we talked uh, off air here that you're getting ready to travel in yeah. Europe, and your book takes place all the places. Were you there before? And um, if not, are you going to be able to like see some new places to add maybe the next book? Well, that, that's traveling. What trying to do this travel because the first time that I, the first draft that I wrote the book that takes that took place outside in Brighton. I'd never been to Brighton before. Um, and then my friends were like, well, you've never been. I'm like, how do you know what you're writing is true? And I'm like, well, I can't afford to go. So then I booked, uh, it was a McDonald's commercial. It was like probably my second McDonald's commercial that I booked. And I got the money to do it. So I went out and I realized that all that I wrote was crap. And <laughs> I had to redo it. Um, and actually the fact was a lot stranger than fiction in terms of the setting of uh, the story. But one of the main characters um, is from Scotland. And I want her to be a bigger part in the second book. So in my travels, I'll be doing London um, to see the Spice Girls. And then we'll be going to Scotland for three days to just kind of get a feel for what it's like there and how the people are. Um, and to see if my accent is worth it's total crap. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm going to sound nothing like the people that are there. But um, You're doing the accents on your reading. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, then so a lot of the uh, – the second book will take place in London, so I'll be there for about six days, just kind of getting some more um, ideas and nice. the brains of the locals and see what the cool, weird stuff is. It seems totally normal to them, but it's totally, you know, out of the ordinary for Americans. Right. That's um, amazing. Yeah. I love that. And talk about, I got to see, thanks so much for sending me over Where Monsters Hide. This is a story that you produced, started, all this, and it, the premise is amazing. Talk about that and show that close to so when I was uh, when I was a, a wee little boy, uh, I saw The Shining, and The Shining totally freaked me out. We loved horror movies growing up, and there's a scene where there's a woman in the shower, um, and uh, she peels she peels back the curtain. She's beautiful and gorgeous, and um, you know Jack Nicholson interacts with her, and then he turns around and sees in the mirror that she's like this you know decrepit corpse ghost or whatever, um, and that freaked me out. So I always thought there was something hiding behind the shower curtain. 
so when I was a child, I even wrote, I made a picture book called What's Behind the Shower Curtain. That it was about all these positive, happy things behind the shower curtain because I was trying to, like, give myself therapy. So then, you know, like 15, 20 years later, I'm leaning in bed and thinking, like, what happened to that book? And I thought, well, what if, like, it was extended to not just behind the shower curtain, but what if there was a monster hiding in other places in the house? So Where Monster Hides is a short film that uh, is about a young man who gets sent a book by his mother um, that he made when he was a child. And it's a picture book that shows where monster is hiding in, in the house. And, um, you know, as he's flipping through the pages, he starts to recognize, you know, the, the drawings in the book that they seem to match the apartment that he lives in now. So he starts to follow the pages of the book and look in his current apartment to see if Monster is really hiding there. Um, and then, you know, it's about five pages long, so there's different little, I guess, opportunities to get scared. And then in the end, a monster ends up finding him. So, uh, but yeah, we, you know, it was my first uh, short film that I produced. Um, I directed it and uh, we we finished it in January of last year, and we submitted it to several festivals and won two um, international awards. Uh, one at London, in London, the Discover Film Awards for Best Horror, and then one in um, uh, Toronto for the Diversity, the Canadian Diversity Film Festival. Um, again, Best Horror, and then Best National Short in Texas, and um, Best Micro Short at the uh, Austin Revolution Film Festival. Congratulations. That yeah. is great. And it's got some distribution. And the director, what was the actor like to work with? Was he a jerk? Or what? He was terrible. <laughs> he did not get any of the cards. <laughs> but he's cute, so we let it fly. There you go. I like yeah. it. was acting? His accent <laughs> was a little bit too, you know, he wanted to sound a little bit more standardized English, but he had that thick Scottish accent. Well, yeah. He just couldn't <laughs> shake. You can be well-trained in that accent. There you go. And so now you're able to take this uh, this short film and your book about the vampires and wolves, werewolves, and oh my, all that fun stuff. Yeah. And you're actually taking this and going to Queer Fear uh, at Comic Con this year. We could talk about that. That's gonna be kind of fun. It is really fun. Uh, so I did a podcast with uh, a friend, Michael Barati, um, and it's called a Death of Film. And you know, he he saw the short film and he um, was aware that the book. And for those who don't know, The After Living is uh, a vampire fiction book based on the idea that Jesus Christ was the first vampire. So there's a lot of, like, stuff to unpack there. Um, but, yeah, he really was interested in the book. He loved the short film. He had me on. And uh, Michael works very closely with Prison Comics, and they have a queer fear horror panel uh, at Comic-Con every year, which I've attended um, every year that I've gone. And he reached out to me. He said, hey, like, I, you know, I, I, I really love what you have to say, and I like the short film. Would you want to come on and be on the panel Great, awesome. So uh, I've always gone as a professional, you know, to Comic Con because of my contributions with acting credits and stuff. Uh, this is my first time actually being belonging on a panel. So nice. hopefully it's the first of many. Uh, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm super excited about that because you know it's like you always look at the people on the panel and think like, oh my god, like they probably have so much to contribute and questions to answer. And uh, we'll see if I can actually be someone with something to contribute. My brother has gone to Comic-Con forever. My brother is nerdier than I am, which is hard to believe. But Comic-Con, as you know, probably going up, but maybe not your status part of it, but if you don't go to Comic-Con every year, you can't get back into Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. That's the first people to go. If you want to go to Comic-Con, you better been there once because it gets sold out so fast. Yeah. It's really tough to go. My brother did not sign up one year. He couldn't go. He got a town or something. Couldn't go. 
and that's what he did. He went on a panel. His, one of his best friends is a great voiceover artist in uh, Wally Winger uh, out of L.A. And so, and Wally is just a great movie collectible. He's a Batman aficionado. Said, well, let's call Burt Ward and see if he wants to do a Batman panel. So they just started their own panel so we can get back in and go yeah. again. But, but it is, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun, too. I think they, they hang on your every word. So I think you're going to have to yeah. I mean, for the comics, they have these really cool and graphic tees, too, that, like, give right. a, a nice, fun, like, you know, sexual LGBT element to, like, classic, um, you know, superheroes and stuff. Like, I have a, a shirt that has the Flash, but it's, like, a really, like, hunky bear uh, like an actual bear, not like a man bear. Right. Who wears a flash costume? So they have like really fun things that you know, even if you're not interested in the horror aspect, they have a lot of colorful um, retail that that's uh, awesome. Yeah, the community enjoys. Matt, I told your boyfriend Brandon that I'm coming to visit just so I could go to Vancouver and stock all my DC comic favorites there. Wanted the CW comics. Yeah. They all filmed there. I want to see Grant Gustin so bad I can taste it. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to come couch surf a little bit so I can take a side trip to uh, Vancouver. Oh, my goodness. Oh, all the CW is just fantastic with the superhero geek. I'm really looking forward to Candace Payne, Batwoman character this year coming to CW. We have our the lesbian Batwoman, so that's going to be kind of exciting stuff happening. But, yeah, I, I'm going to come capture sometime soon. Okay. Um, fantastic. Banana, thanks for coming back. We're going to talk about more later. Anything else that well, I forgot about you want to talk about while you're here? Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm always willing to collaborate with friends on projects, and um, some of my friends, they were produced their first short as well, which is uh, a, a gay horror, you know, short film that is kind of like about the the, uh, what's it called? The, the, the caution of dating on app. Or oh, okay. On app. Um, it's called Come In, and it's pretty much, you know, about this, this person who stalks the people that he, you know, plans to quote-unquote hook up with. Um, there's like mm-hmm. murder and stuff involved, so uh, that was really something to shoot that should be going nice. to the festival right now. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, very uh, cool. Well, thank you, my friend. Let's go ahead and go to our next break. Uh, Chris, why don't we do, let's see here. I will pulled up. I think we're going to travel travel around the world. Uh, Chris, go ahead and take us a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to the rest of our panel. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Supposedly left before me. I know it's 
kids ages 5 to 14. Um, it's, it's really an awesome setup at the community college I work at. Uh, we teach stunt classes, so I do a lot of people who are in film, uh, just teaching them different gymnastics tricks and stunt work. Right. Now, obviously, gymnasts have to be really flexible. What is the best workout team to be? What do you need to be to be that flexible? What keeps you that flexible? Especially when you're not a kid anymore, starting it over again when you're in your 20s or 30s. Whatever. Yeah, I couldn't even touch my toes when I started two years ago. Uh, consistency is key. Uh, I make sure that I stretch at least 30 minutes a day. Um, and it's just slowly breaking your tendons down more and more and more until you finally get to being flexible. Right. Yeah. That's fantastic. You've also, another part uh, of your background is you've done hair for a long time. You've been doing it all over the country. And that's, we've had all these weird coincidences this week. Talk about that. What was your interest in that? Is this, um, what made you want to go to school to learn how to do that? Yeah. So uh, my hair story, I went to cosmetology school because I couldn't afford music school. I wanted to go to Cincinnati Conservatory. And I was like, cool, I'll just go to PV school so I can have a good-paying job to get me through college. And then I ended up winning a contest uh, called Spread the Love, and it was me and five other individuals in every state in a year doing different hair charities. Really? So things such as, like, uh, makeovers at fatter women's shelters. Uh, we did haircuts at San Antonio Orphanage uh, at CJ's house. We hundreds and hundreds of charities that are hair-related. Um, and then from there, I kind of was with this product company. I started winning. I uh, was American Salon's Young American Award winner. I won Pivot Point's Next Generation Award winner. Instantly started being recognized for hair. And I didn't even want to do it. I just wanted to go back to music school. <laughs> That's fine. Wow. But now I can't get out of it. It just, I, I tried quitting hair like 10 times, but it's just, I'm not destined to quit. I'm not allowed to. And there's so much creativity that there. Where does that creativity come from? Were you always a creative kid? Is it something you're, you're self-taught totally as you go? Do you, do you see it in your mind? How does the creativity work for you? Honest, uh, so I grew up on a rabbit farm in Indiana, and I was a member of 4-H. And for the fair, you do different projects and concepts. And I never took art classes or anything, but that farmer's club uh, pushed me to do so many different types of art. And I utilize those skills to this day. That's why I'm at it, is because of 4-H. That's amazing. Random. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. And now you've taken all these talents and you got noticed and everything. And you, you're starting to do wigs now. And they're some of the hottest queens from New Hall's Drag Race and all over the place. What was your connection in foreign to that? How did that happen? So that all began, I, it was my first week in L.A., just moved there. Um, and I was out at Mickey's and I saw Vanilla move on. And she was, I've only seen season two of Drag Race. So I don't even know. I've literally watched no season. So I was like, man, I got to say hi to Manila, and I was like, how do I, like, click with her? So I went up to her, I was like, your makeup looks amazing. She's like, thanks, and she turned around, and I was like, but your wig looks like shit. <laughs> and, she's <laughs> and she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, your wig looks like shit. I can help you. Here's my card. <laughs> okay. Then, two days later, she Ballsy, I oh, like two that. days later, she sent me an email, she's like, hey, asshole, I'm going on a Europe tour. <laughs> uh, can you help me out some wigs? And she dropped off, like, Thin of wigs, and she's like, yeah, I need them in like two hours. So I rushed at the salon to get all the wigs done, and she and I have been best friends since. 
And through just that one moment, I music videos. I worked for a production company called Brad Hammer Productions, and I, if I added it up, I think I'm up to around three hundred, uh, three million views on wow. YouTube. Yeah, from just what my hair work has been done in, and then that led to now I do wigs on Drag Race. I'm contracted through uh, Rockstar Wigs. Anytime Rockstar Wigs is doing a challenge, I'm the wig maker. I get to work on like chop the risical and draw my wigs. That's fantastic. So cool. And talk about, and you're thinking on creating your own line now, right? You're kind of looking into that and starting your own business? Yeah. Um, I, it's kind of one of those, I need to keep moving forward. And at what capacity can I actually start making more money and working less? So I'm working with merchandisers. Um, the wig line, it's, it's made for, um, you do measurements of your head. So those wigs will come in like small, medium, large, extra large, because wigs aren't one size fit all, um, which doesn't exist in the wig world. Uh, so it'll be cool. Very nice. I like that. Congratulations on that. And, and he really is, man. He knows all the people that are coming up this next screen episode. We've had about five people try to attack him in the pool. It's just not working. So those that RuPaul's, you're safe, but we're a little pissed off. I just want you to know over here in Palm Springs. Um, what's next? What kind of other projects do you have? Do you want to talk about today? Uh, for me, I just kind of just go with the flow with life. I've never once had a plan. Life just comes at me full force with different things, um, and it's worked out so far. <laughs> like I said, you have you yeah. have that personality, and that's why we talk to the pool. You have a great personality. You have a strong sense of self, which is nice. Um, you did you did show us. Uh, Speaking of Manila Lazan, she has a great video coming out. And you're, you're, can you talk about that video? Yeah, uh, she just had a music video released today. Um, yeah, kind of a gay <laughs> man. Uh, and there's a line in it about, uh, like, Craig Luganus, Vajabble the Anus. And the model didn't show up on set that day, so I became the Vajabble Anus. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Check it out. That's on the resume. I like that. So, about that. So they glued, super glued rhinestones to my butt. I have photos. It took three weeks to get the adhesive off my butt. Super so, glue? Yeah, because it was only thing. Was it spirit gum or something? No one's tried spirit gum. Thing? We tried last glue, and we were like, super glue. So wow. I had a glue butt. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, it's kind of last minute and really interesting story. So thanks for coming up the trade show today. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to take one more break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to a little bit of Matt Hayes here, and then we're going to get a live song from Matt Cern and uh, go into a Matt Cern interview. So, Chris, why don't you go ahead and pull up You're an Animal, and when we come back, we're going to give a talk with Matt Cern here. You're listening to the Left and Straight Show live from the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs, California. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Bye-bye. So delightful, you were confident that can leave the 
I went to Christmas script, and uh, I, it literally all came about accidentally. I mean, I never planned to make a movie. Um, it just kind of happened. And then I drunkenly launched an Indiegogo campaign at like 2 a.m. on a Friday morning, which breaks all the rules of crowdsourcing. You, I mean, I, there's a rule. I broke them. Uh, but I ended up raising all in all about $22,000. Um, and it's, I mean, just quickly, too. I mean, you, you were funded fast. Three weeks. Um, and then, uh, and they came from all over the world. I could, we stayed number one on Indiegogo's page the entire duration of our, of our campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had instant plugs from them. Uh, and then we went to film in November, I think. Yeah, November. And uh, we shot over two full days. And, uh, but it's autobiographical in the sense of it's, it's kind of about my experience growing up gay in the church. Um, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. Um, and I don't mean any, you know, harm to the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, they do good work uh, some, most of the time. And, uh, but I, because of the, the, the way that they approached things like AIDS, uh, I thought that I had AIDS as a kid. And so I thought I was not going to grow up um, as like a, you know, seven and eight-year-old who didn't, you know, know about sex. I just knew that AIDS was God's punishment for being gay. Right. Um, so that's what the song's about. It, it, uh, but it goes deeper and it, there's, two timelines represented. One is, is my own and one is the kid playing my younger self. And both versions of this man, uh, David, are just looking to be told that they're okay um, because of the, the rhetoric used by the church to harm people. It, it's, it's so powerful. And like I said, I, I followed it along from the Indigo from the start. Like I said, I just like, it was my gangbusters. It was number yeah. one all the time. And it was, it was just a great story to see. And I think that's what brought people to it. It was very authentic. You could tell it was authentic. Even though it, it was out of our gut, it just seemed like it was so many people can relate to it. Yeah. Um, and that's so powerful. Talk about now the other side of it. You're producing this thing that you weren't expecting to produce. Yeah. Now you have the sponsors want to accept it. Talk about it. now we go out to film festivals. How does that happen and start working? Um, a lot of prayers. Because <laughs> um, you don't, I mean, you have, after you create this project, and it's, it's especially with it being somewhat autobiographical, it's truly part of my soul. I mean, it's, it's a piece of me that I've put to film. And so I have all these stakes on it. And so all these expectations of like, we have to get into these festivals. We have to get into this festival. You know, you're not going to get it. Even the ones that, you know, I, I've gotten some apology emails from festival directors being like, I'm so sorry. Like, I loved it. We just could not fit it in. Um, so, but, you know, that's, we're getting into more than we're not getting in, thankfully. Uh, so we've got about six right now that we have gotten into, two of which we're allowed to announce. Um, the others are not released schedules yet, so we can't say anything. The two we can announce are a Compassion Film Festival in Colorado, uh, which is outside of Aspen, and then also, uh, yes, Las Wait, oh, can I say Las Vegas International? I think I just didn't say that one. Um, yeah, uh, those are the two I can say officially. And then I've gotten into uh, this two in North Carolina. Uh, I'm hoping if Sidewalk Film Festival in Birmingham, Alabama is listening, um, <laughs> uh, they uh, allow us to exist in my home state. And it's our, one of my EPs is from Birmingham. Um, and then where else? We got, oh, we just got into, I don't know if I can say this one, uh, okay. Stamps Film Festival in Pensacola. Um, we got into that one too. Uh, and that's one I'm really excited about. And uh, they've got a great history to why they're called Stamps. So if you have a few minutes, go look it up because it's really, really a cool story about gay history. Oh, nice. I like that. And talk about what goes in to a film film festival circuit. You travel with the film. Um, what's your goals when you get there? Is, is each film festival 
about just getting the word out? Are you actually looking for distributions of things, or what? What's the goals when you go film festival hopping? I think it's different depending on the festival. There's some that are a bit gratuitous and like I just want to have that festival's laurels on my poster. Uh, there's some that I really want to be a part of because of the community. Uh, one of those is Las Vegas because a lot of my, being that I was a cruise performer, a lot of my closest friends live in Vegas and were funders. Uh, my composer is in Vegas. Um, selfishly speaking, my ex-boyfriend is in Vegas, so he gets to see that all my friends are coming to the film. <laughs> <laughs>
That is great. And we got to keep our senator in there. And his yes. Son. His gate son is so cute. Carson, oh. if you're listening, call me. Carson, thank you. I already tried to get my next-door neighbor in Tennessee to go taco for me. Yeah. Oh. Um, all right. Let's go into, like I said, you, you kind of came aboard and came to our radar working for Dale Shores Production Company. You've been working with him for quite a while now. And now you're the producing level with him. He's got a great um, one-man show. Got a brand new one out, but this one we talked about. I had him on the air not too long to talk about. Talk about this show and the production I You actually brought this to film, and it's going to start doing film festivals as well. Yes, and actually, um, it's, so it's called Six Characters in Search of a Play. It's a play on Pirandello's uh, Six Characters in Search of an Author. Uh, but Dill basically t- uh, created six characters that have never made it into his plays um, and kind of gave them a showcase uh, segment. And uh, it ran for 77 shows last year, I think. Uh, and uh, now we, we filmed a live stage performance of it over two days um, using the same crew that I um, had for my film. Uh, so right. it's really great to work with those folks again because they're incredible, and the quality is just phenomenal. I mean, so, yeah, we filmed it at the Celebration Theater in Los Angeles, which is, is the nation's longest-running LGBTQ theater. Um, and they donated the space to us to shoot that, which is fantastic. And, uh, yeah, so and it's great, too, because our films are being paired with a lot of the festivals, um, Dale's name has obviously been good for my film to get us into a lot of these festivals that right. you know want every gay festival in the country, um, and yeah, so they're actually letting my film open his. Oh um, wow, that's so great! It's been crazy because I'm, I never expected to have a film running in festivals this year, much less you know being followed by a film that I produced for Dale Shores. Right. Um, we, yeah, it's 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 been a surreal few months. It's an amazing show. Uh, my mom and I got to see Roger Columbus That's last right, year. Yeah. I got to see Columbus. Amazing show. Dell is always such a great writer, and his performance is right on. Uh, and it, it's so cool for me to watch your progression. Because like I said, you were actor. You were all about acting. You go going for the next acting gig and everything. You had these aspirations of things coming for you. And it, it's just a great journey to watch for you. What are you most surprised about? What are you most excited about going forward? What I'm most surprised about is how many people came out of the work to support this project. Um, it showed, A, people still needing, even, I mean, a, a lot of my fan base has come from Dells. So it's a lot of middle-aged men who I love and adore who have money, thankfully. Um, <laughs> and it showed me that they, no matter what age we get to, we just want to feel okay by ourselves. Um, that's the overriding message of the film. Um, on the t-shirts I had today, it's like, that's the whole essence, you're okay. Um, so I'm most surprised by who and where people came out of. I mean, I had folks in Amsterdam who just followed me on, on social media and would donate $1,000 or $1,300. Wow. Um, and so I think it kind of fueled me to keep telling stories because that's what we, we do with art. We're kind of catalysts for people's feelings sometimes. You know? Sure. Um, and what I'm most excited about, I guess, is just seeing – I hope for the change that I want to take place inside the church. I mean, I'm not challenging church. I still have a faith that I, you know, abide by. Um, I still consider myself a part of the Christian faith. I go to Hollywood United Methodist. Um, but I, there's so much that needs to be addressed within how churches discuss their views on LGBTQ uh, rights. Um, it's okay to have opinions, but you, uh, when it comes to somebody else's expense, that's where I'm going to draw the line, and that's what's happening. Um, so I mean, that's what I'm most excited about to see how we can tackle that. I love that. Yeah, like I said, I have to have you on Soapbox to talk about all these issues because now we have an openly gay male presidential candidate that is yeah. I had him on my show before he announced officially when he was doing his little tour. Yeah. He is amazing. Yeah. 
And if you reach the sky Then on your way back down Canadian or I think you know a 
musicians without knowing they're Canadian. Okay. Japanese and singing in Japanese when I can. So it's kind of been an ongoing inspiration. 
And actually, the same director of the video we were talking about, One More Night, happens to, his wife is Japanese. And so he also has this connection. And he, he contacted the embassy in Tokyo, the Canadian embassy, and they were interested in working on a show with us. So it's kind of become this like, Canadian cultural musical event in Tokyo that's going to happen in October, probably. Fantastic. That is great. And then we talked about this, your, your music video going to place. That's going to Mumbai or something? Talk about that. Yeah, that's soon. That's next week. That was, again, kind of, um, again, with Brandon's help, some of the film festivals. There was one called Kashish in Mumbai, an international queer uh, film festival, and they decided to, to feature One More Night. And, yeah, screening on June 14th. <laughs> Congratulations. That is very cool. I love that. And uh, also talk about your, you going back to Montreal. You have an event in there. Give, give me a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. So this is because I got a lot of news. I don't know if you guys know Martha Wainwright. She's Ruby's Wainwright's sister. But they're kind of Canadian music royalty, that family. Um, their cousins and their parents in there. And, and so it was in the news that she decided to go back to Montreal and open a music venue. Um, that's really got a really community kind of rootsy vibe, like a place where her kids would like to go, kind of cafe. And I read that and I thought that's really kind of in, on my wavelength. So I just reached out to them. It's a brand new venue. And, um, wow. So I'm also going to do an event with them when I go to Montreal. Which, Very cool. Yeah, it should be really fun. That's going to be a great time. So what what is um, what are your goals now? You're, you're getting this recognition. You have this new album coming out. What do you hope to do with your music? I mean, obviously... You're a professional entertainer. Do you, are you hoping to kind of blow up? Is it that, Are you finding a nice lane you want to be in? What What is your career dreams? That's a fun question. I really like what you said to me about not having a plan. I mean, I'm not I'm not quite like that. I kind of kind of veer between the two. Sometimes I really like to just be wide open because inspiration keeps coming in. It's so mysterious what opportunities to create. But then I also have angst that I come back to. I'm like, okay, no. I need to be very clear about my intentions. <laughs> um, so I kind of, like, I told the line between those two ideas. And another thing I think about a lot is, yeah, what what it is in the career. There's kind of different different frames of reference for what it is. And I've often had an aversion to kind of celebrity culture. I think I'm speaking to everyone in terms of that. Wrap that For sure, it's like it's, hard to not play the game at all because you want to create opportunities and expand. So, like I mentioned earlier, having status points clearly does that. And people are impressed by what you've accomplished. So, I try to, and Brendan's a good intent for this too, to kind of like wear, wear down my resistance and just just go with it, just get excited about these big right. opportunities and for them, see where they go, you know. And now that you're going to have two albums under your belt relatively soon, is something you're thinking about touring more instead of these one-night events? Would you like to come down to the States and tour some venues down here and make an actual road tour of yeah. town? Yeah. One thing about that is I, I think a next step for me because I've done a lot of intimate acoustic music, but but the albums kind of don't look like that. They're kind of fully fleshed out with horns and, like, vibrant. So I'd like to do more of that in performance, kind of more colorful. And that's harder to tour. So that's part of the reason why I think of yeah, shows being selective and intentional. But, yeah, I think that would be the next interesting Very yeah. cool. Well, Brandon, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Brandon, sir, not sir. <laughs> I mean, 
got my tongue tied for a second. We're married now. There you so, go. Yeah, I don't know. Ran, ran on that, and you never know. Uh, thanks for coming on, dude, and appreciate it. Great music. Guys, we're going to take one more break. We're going to wrap things up here. Uh, I think we're going to play One More Night, because I don't know if we play that or we're going to play it again because we <laughs> So we're going to keep with the Matt Stern theme here. This is One More Night. Chris, take it away. We'll be back for our final round of questions and wrap things up here on day two of the Big Gay Road Trip. Listen to Left of Straight Radio Show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network. This time I won't idealize you I won't throw my hands up over my head and cry Still I know you are the one And I still taste you on my tongue And I would be fortunate to lie with you One more night I know it won't take much time now I just take one look inside your eyes and I'm flying What am I still doing here? I know you will soon disappear But I still hold on to spend time with you Where Monster High, go to where 
monsterhides.com. Um, and if you would like to check out the After Living uh, book about Vampire Jesus, go to theafterliving.com, and you can also just go on Amazon and search The After Living, and you can get it on Audible, paperback, or ebook. Nice. See, Dad, that's the salesman. Matt, where can we figure out? We got a salesman here. Give us like us on Spotify and iTunes and <laughs> all the normal music places. Yeah, okay. All right. Super duper. Well, guys, thanks for being on Electric Straight Show. It's great to have you in Palm Springs. Thanks again to the Indoor Resort here. Thanks to all of our sponsors. We had a great time. We'll be back next week uh, with two brand-new shows on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, we are going to be bringing to you, and I have no idea, but I'm going to look it up in 10 seconds. Um, we're going to have next Monday, we are going to be bringing to you have Jason Caceres and his boyfriend, Christian Lopez. They're both actors and social media influencers. Our buddy Tommy Garassi is a producer out of New York City, and Aiden Christian on Monday is a singer-songwriter. On uh, Tuesday... Going to have our buddies Harry Ray and Mel England from the hit electricity play Electricity will be on. Um, Billy Cliff, uh, producer, director, writer, and then Sam Harris. If you're old like me, you remember Star Search days uh, over the somewhere over the rainbow, and uh, he'll be on for the show. So a couple great shows next week. Be sure to tune in. Please follow me on social on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Left of Straight. Always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. On Facebook, you can go to Left of Straight show page, or we have Left of Straight radio page where you can see all of our shows on Left of Straight radio network. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for being uh, in the studio today. We appreciate all your help. Guys, thanks for being here. We are going to uh, end the show now. We will see you t- uh, next Monday. Goodbye, everyone. Say goodbye, boys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Go to Chris.